Hey guys, welcome back to the channel. Today I have a very special guest, uh, somebody I've known for the last few years. Um, this is Trevor Amacone. Um, he is a, now was a former coach at Dixie State, which is a division two college in St. George, Utah. Um, did many things, recruiting. He's a hitting coach, all types of different things here. And is now in his first year of coaching with the Yankees. So congratulations on that. Um, I want to I want to have Trevor um, give us some background, more kind of more in detail on who you are. You, you come from a very what we call you said infamous family in Utah, <laughs> um, so you can talk. You know, maybe we we start with your parents, who they are, and we're going to talk about because um, you kind of specialize. You could say on the hitting side of things, we're going to dive into some mental toughness. What that means is, does it really mean what it, we think it means? And things like that. So, Trevor, I want to welcome you onto the channel here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so my family is like, I grew up with no choice. I I was going to be a part of baseball, and it was fortunate for me. That's a good thing, right? But um, my my dad uh, worked as as uh, the general manager of the Angels AAA affiliate in Salt Lake City for the last now fifteen years. My my mom is a Division One head softball coach at Weber State right now. She's uh, the head softball. She actually started the softball program at uh, BYU, was a head coach at Salt Lake Community College for almost 10 years. So she's been around it a while. And my brother was a Vision One recruiting coordinator uh, on the baseball side as well. So we kind of all, and that's our whole family. So we've yeah. kind of all uh, been around baseball and, and sports in general for, for a long time. I grew up, my father was an assistant athletic director in, at the University of Utah. So growing up around those football programs and the basketball programs in the 90s that were so good and being able to sit and watch practices and learn from, from some of the best coaches that, that have come through the University of Utah was obviously a big learning, a big part of my, my learning how to coach. But Honestly, learning from both of my parents has probably been the most beneficial in terms of, of how I've learned the game of baseball, but also how I've learned the, the toughness side. In fact, my mom was actually my high school baseball coach when I was a, a high school baseball player at Jordan High School. She, uh, she was hired uh, to be our head coach my sophomore year, and we were told she was the first female to ever be a high school head baseball coach uh, in the country. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what we were told. That's the news articles all all said. So I don't, I don't know, but I will tell you it was, it was quite an experience uh, to have her as my head coach for, for my sophomore and junior years. That's kind of my background. That's our family. That's where a lot of, of uh, what I've learned has come from with all the influences that I've had in my life. Uh, my, both of my parents uh, are probably the two biggest teachers of the game and mental toughness and all those things uh, that I've been fortunate enough to have. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So you, how many years were you at Dixie State and, and before you, you know, now you're a professional coach. How many years did you coach in at the collegiate ranks? I was at Dixie State for a year and a half. So I was going into my second, uh, when I got hired with the Yankees, uh, I had been through uh, a year and, and then a fall uh, with Dixie State. Before that, I was a high school head coach with, with some uh, professional clients working with, uh, with them privately, but coached at all levels now. That's pretty sweet. So you don't have to work 20 years to get into professional baseball. That's what you're telling us? No, I think it's, in fact, it's really cool. I, 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 now it's trending towards if you're good enough 
you you have a place, you know, in the game. I, I get to work really closely with uh, Rachel Balkebeck, who's one of the first women hired uh, to to coach at the professional level, and she's she's incredible. She's great, and I think the message there, more than anything, is that if you're good enough, like there's a place for you to add value to organizations now. And I didn't play professional baseball. Uh, I played. Uh, barely one year at the college level before I got hurt and and uh, the game kind of weeded me out and I think we're starting to learn that some of the best coaches in the world are, are coaches who had to learn who who had to go through some struggle at, at some places so I, I think that when you have to get to a point where you're running into a wall and you have to teach yourself how to hit mm-hmm. that that adds great value to you whether that's at the high school level the college level or even the professional level, when you run into that, it's a great teaching moment for you to learn whether or not coaching is, is something that, that you're capable of doing. But I think now the great thing about the game is if you're good enough, if you can teach and if you can get the, the right things into players, there's a spot for you, whether you played 20 years in the big leagues or not, there's, there's a spot if you can add value. Yeah, no doubt. I, we're definitely seeing that more and more where and you could say on that other spectrum of guys that have played the game a long time, they you could say their mindset in a way is, well, what the heck? You know, I put all my time, all my effort into this. Maybe I played 10 years of minor league baseball. You could say they feel they have a right to, hey, I have first, you could say, precedent over this non non-player that maybe just coached at the collegiate level so it's an interesting way of looking at it and the mindset of of both sides of the of that yeah there's there's huge value into the that you get from guys in our organization that have played at the big league level and who may not be familiar with all of the new uh, analytics that are coming into the game but have the experience of having been sold those analytics like if I can't get through to a certain player because I may, be not, I may not be able to communicate with that player what he needs to do based on the data that we have on him. It's a great resource to be able to go to somebody like we've got guys that are around the complex all the time here, like Nick Swisher, that for him growing up pre-analytics in the mm-hmm. game, like that's a guy that's a great resource because at some point somebody – has had to try to translate the analytics to how it can help him. There's great value in having guys that played a a long time in the big leagues or a long time in professional baseball and mixing that in with this new wave of coaches that is more built uh, from that teaching side of things and had to struggle playing and teach themselves how to, how to get better. There's great value from both sides. And I think the big competitive uh, advantage in, in baseball nowadays is the ability to mesh that and find a way to to add value for both sides of that Mm -hmm. so let's talk about because i don't i don't know all the details of i obviously you do things really well to be able to get a job you're you're now working with the yankees what is it that you feel that you you do really well that what is it communication with the players is it look taking a look at video dissecting that and kind of, okay, this is what we need to do with your swing. Kind of explain how you do all that. Uh, you know, I feel pretty lucky. <laughs> I don't know that I feel <laughs> like I do, uh, I do anything uh, incredibly well, but I, I think that 
any good coach, it, it has to start with that relationship. It has to start with being able to, to communicate with guys, mm-hmm. being able to tell whether or not a guy is going to adjust to certain things you're teaching them at, at a at a high rate or not. Like, is, is this a guy that being able to know whether or not a guy is somebody that is going to take everything you say and run with it and you got to be really careful with with what you tell him or is this a guy that it's going to take he's going to have to hear it from different sources and from you multiple times before he buys into it it's it's just a i think that's at the heart of any great coach is the ability to know his guys know what kind of uh, what kind of learner they are but in general i think the ability to communicate in many different ways to the different kinds of players you're going to deal with is is one of the things that I I work hard on every day and and work hard on on trying trying to get better at every day. Let's talk about one of the topics we had kind of discussed is mental toughness, right? In the game of baseball, there's there's some kind of different avenues you kind of feel how mental toughness works. So let's let's dive into that. What what are your thoughts on mental toughness? Yeah, so I think when we talk about mental toughness, the first place that a player's mind tends to go is to mental skills and what they've heard about mental skills before. And I think mental skills are incredible. I think they're like, we see it every day at the professional level. Uh, I've seen countless stories of guys being taught specific skills to help them mentally and emotionally. And and we're talking about releases and being able to grab dirt and, and, let go of and throw it behind them to let go of past at bats or past failures, you know, focal points, all of those different things that, that we learned way back in the day from the original heads up baseball with Ken Revisa. It's like, that's the first place that, that kids mind minds tend to go. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing, but to some kids, there's that, that stigma of that's, mental toughness when I think about toughness that's well he's going to have me doing different different skills if I go talk to a a mental skills coach it's just going to be about mental skills and I think there's a fundamental that's the skills thing is one side of getting mentally tough I think those tools are very important because nobody's a hundred percent tough all the time like we're all unevenly tough in different circumstances. Like I'm, I'm, I think there are different kinds of toughness. I think there is the type of toughness that like, I call it micro level toughness in the moment, mano y mano, this pitcher against this hitter, like it's you and me, two dogs, one bone. (laughs) I've got to go. I've got to go take it from him. Mm -hmm. There's the kind of toughness that, gets the job done in that moment, but may not be able to handle a 162 game season, which I like that, that kind of toughness is more of a distance, the, the ability to be patient, the ability to not go over four and have it be the end of the world. Right. That's I, I call that like a macro level toughness. That's being able to be tough on a bigger level, a longer term level that I, I think when we think toughness, that's where, that's where our minds tend to go is to that micro level toughness of grit your teeth, 
you know, dig in. If I can just flex harder than this guy, I'm going to be, that's what toughness is. So and does that not, does that not work in baseball? I think, I think it, there are micro situations where it can work. I think that situation of like a two strike situation where you've got to grid up and be a little bit more um, micro oriented. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit more of a micro mindset of I got to get this job done or like this, this, the situation that guys run into all the time of just winning in at bat. Give me, I got to run at third with less than two outs and, and the infield back. Like I got to get this job done in, in a one, two run game to help my team. I think that requires a certain level of micro style toughness of digging in, getting the job done. I, I think that one, one of the biggest examples I can remember was when I was a high school head coach, we, we were in, part of one of the biggest rivalries in the state. And I remember playing in this rivalry game the first time when I was, when I was coaching and the team we were playing against went down the the left field line and, and right before the game, right after they did their in and out, they went down the left field line and they did this big football cheer and they were loud and scary and intimidating. (laughs) And I kind of just smiled and went, okay, we've, we've got to beat there. There is a style of toughness, that works on the football field. And I have not, I'm a huge football fan. I have nothing against football. I love football, but there's a style of toughness that works on the football field. That doesn't always work on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that game, that team came out and scored two runs in the first inning. And then we boat raced them after that, because that style of toughness may work in the moment. It's just like a marathon runner who gets out to a, a lead after two miles and has 24 miles still to go that whether it's at the professional level, you're going 162 games and have to show up every day in a way that gets the job done, or it's a a nine inning game at the college level where you may lose the first three innings of that game, but you have six innings to be able to stay even kill and come back and, and win a game. Or as a hitter individually, you may go, Oh, for your first three with, three strikeouts, but that fourth at bat, you're going to be at the plate with the game on the line. If you're that football micro kind of toughness, which again has a place and is useful on the football field or is useful in that individual at bat, you may have already thrown in the towel on that day and gotten to a point where you're first three at bat striking out three times. You're already done with that fourth at bat. That's it. it it's, the hay's already in the barn and you're, you're done. So I, I do, I think there's definitely a place for that kind of toughness in the game. I think that the kind of toughness that's needed more so and in, in a higher level scenario is that macro level toughness, that flexibility, adaptability, the ability to fail and not let it impact your ultimate trajectory and not let it impact your identity. That's awesome, man. So you're, you're talking about being able to, when you fail, like I got to get rid of this as quickly as possible. Like it's not going to affect, I talk a lot about being neutral, yes. you know, to, however you react to that situation, um, being neutral. Now it doesn't mean you're not pissed or you're upset, right. but something within your mind, just you're able to let that go as quickly as possible. Cause you know, you got to get right back on the field. You still have a job to do whether that's, you know, whether you're a pitcher, catcher, outfielder, whatever the case may be, 
you still have a job to go out and help your defense to try to right. get back and, and hit as quickly as possible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's another story that, that I think is a great example of this is we, we had a, a player at the college level who really struggled uh, the first three, the first weekend of the season, the first three games of the season, we went and, and, and played on the road and, and he went over with a bunch of strikeouts that first weekend. The biggest struggle with guys that struggle at the first part of the season is that it feels like whether it's you're looking at your batting average, which I highly, <laughs> which I do not suggest doing. It's not even something, it's not even something anybody looks at anymore at this level, at the college level, we're not even looking at it. So if you want to be mentally weak, look at your batting average mm. one way or another. But it, it, when you struggle that first weekend, it feels like it takes forever to get back over the hump yes. because you could go three for three that next game and still be hitting under, under 200 and you still feel like you're, you're struggling. So that's kind of the mindset that this kid was in was it was like, okay, well now I'm going to have to go eight for 11 my next weekend in order to, to rescue my stats for the year. But what happened after that first weekend was he got back in the cages. He made a very small, but very critical swing change okay. and went off the rest of the year and ended up being an all conference guy that if that first weekend never happens, that doesn't happen. So I really labeling something good or bad because that first weekend like he's going to, that player is going to tell you that was a terrible weekend. That sucked. Now, looking back at it, he's going to tell you, man, that was a great weekend for me. That, that neutral thinking, the ability to see something as information rather than good information or bad information is really key to maintaining that, micro, that macro level toughness, that ability to not let your emotions get too high or too low. To me, that's a huge, another thing that I'll tell players a lot at the high school level that, I mean, it's such a small sample size that they really struggle with that, that the first, if they struggle that first week, digging themselves out of that hole <laughs> is really tough because there's such a small sample size. They're playing yeah. 25 games max, uh, 30 max, that by the time they get to the end of that, you, you, you have to take a big league approach a professional approach to a small sample. So it's almost like you have to take a large sample size approach to a small sample size, meaning you've got to, you've, you've almost got to act as if you're playing 162 games rather than 22 games, because that's the type of approach that gets you better results in 22 games than the approach of writing the ups and downs with every 0 for 4 and every 4 for 4. Yeah, it's interesting with especially the high school kid, right? Because in their mind, they could be like, like, okay, I know I only have about 100 at bats, right? Mm -hmm. And if I start off 0 for 10, they're already, you could say, in that downward spiral, right? Yeah. Now they start doing the math. They're like, crap, well, well, I set a goal to hit 400. I, I better get my, my stuff in gear, right, before. And now you start doing things at the plate, trying to do too much. So I'd go back to don't, don't set goals for batting average, right? Like you said, average, it doesn't, it doesn't mean much. It maybe paints a picture of what you might be able to do, but you know, as a scout, like it's, it's not really, I don't care really what the guy is hitting. When I go watch a kid play, 
how productive are his at bats? You know, what, what is he, when he hits the ball, hopefully he's hitting it and he's not swinging and missing often, but if he's making contact, what kind of contacts being made? Is he barreling up the ball? Is he using the field? You know, things like that, where it's, it's, I just want to see him hit the ball hard, you know, cause your job is to get on base, to win the game, to get win runs. That's what we want. We want guys that make hard contact, things of that nature. So it's especially when you start talking to those high school because you did this as a recruiter, I'm sure, mm-hmm. talking to them with their mindset on setting their goals. You know, what can you do? You have any stories like that where a kid told you, like, this is my goal and I want to do this, and you maybe had to help correct them a little bit? Yeah, everybody, everybody still wants to set their goals around batting average, which again, I just I can't say enough. Stay away from it. Like, it, it, you know, you're in a bad spot when you're doing math as a hitter like if you have to say if you're in a position where you're saying I've got to get this amount of hits to get my batting average above 300 you're in trouble because one there's too much outside your control as a hitter to even value batting average at all I think it's helpful to know that scouts and recruiters aren't looking at your batting average I think just like you said being able to show up and see does that guy compete is that guy hitting the ball hard because that's controllable. That's, that's controllable. That's something that, you know, when I was a college coach, we valued quality at bats. We valued hard hit balls much more than we valued batting average. Uh, One story that comes to mind is we had a player again, who ended up being an all conference guy uh, at the college level that was cruising, was doing really well. We were about two thirds of the way through the season and all of a sudden he went in the tank and nobody knew why his, his mentality hasn't changed. His swing hadn't changed. His pitch selection really hadn't changed. And one day I sat him down and said, Hey, what's changed in the last couple of weeks? And he said, well, my dad showed me, my dad sent me a screenshot of my, my stats. And I said, well, you were doing really well. He said, yeah, the stats were really good. It's like I had to maintain that now. And every time I struck out or I got out, I knew what that was doing to my batting average. I knew that what that was doing to my slugging percentage. And it's so valuable to think about what you can control and set goals around what you can control. And I think that quality at bats, I think even breaking it down further than that, I've had players that uh, high school or college players that we talk all the time about, Hey, you hit pitches, you hit pitches below the belt really well. Like you win the at bat. If you get your swing off at a, at a pitch in the strike zone below the belt, whether you strike out in that at bat or whether you hit a bomb in that at bat, if you get your swing off at a pitch below the belt in the strike zone, you won the at bat, you're one for one. Think about it that way. Getting to what you can control and setting goals around that, you know, those I strongly encourage players, to set those types of goals and then keep track of them. Like you may go 0 for 4 in a game, but 3 for 4 based on what you can control. I got my swing off and maybe I didn't. Hitting is really hard. There's a lot of things left up to chance in hitting. You may get your swing off on a pitch in the, in the area of the strike zone where you drive the ball the most, still get out. But you did everything within your control. You won that at bat. And if you take that approach to future at bats, you're going to win more at bats the, the batting average, the slugging percentage, all of those things are going to take care of themselves when you control what you can control. And then one more point I wanted to make in regards to, to your question and, and what you were talking about, scouting players, recruiting players, 
one thing I, I really had to be careful recruiting with was trying to, and this is again, where it goes to like that definition of toughness and what toughness is. I think with that misconception, like you have to play like Dustin Pedroia to be really tough. You have to look like Pedroia to be really tough. <laughs> right. Or you have to end every game with dirt all over your uniform, looking like that kind of guy, that Derek Jeter or Dustin Pedroia type of guy. That guy may not be any tougher. Like if you're assigning that kind of emotion or that kind of attribute to a kid because of the way he plays the game. I've coached kids before that play very even killed and a scout or a recruiter will come up to me after the game and say, yeah, that guy doesn't seem like he plays tough though. Like, is he a tough kid? He just kind of, right. there's, there's no emotion there. There's no, yeah, he's being very even kill because he, he feels all of those emotions. Mm -hmm. He feels every one of those, but he's really good. And this gets to where the skills meant the skill side of mental skills are very important is he just does a really good job of releasing those emotions and staying even kill and not showing any of that frustration. He's really frustrated. Trust me. Cause I hear about <laughs> it in the dugout, but he doesn't show that. And how much like that guy's a significant amount tougher than the guy that is out there yelling and screaming every time he doesn't get the result he wants. And again, that you also have to balance that out with, there are plenty of guys that play with emotion that aren't necessarily mentally weak because they're out there showing their emotions either. Right. So equating emotions with toughness is also really hard because you just don't know, unless you get to know the player, you don't know how tr truly tough they're being. So I would say as a player, you taking that bigger picture and being able to understand that real usable toughness is the ability to be your best self in each moment is I, I just think that's hugely important for players to understand that bulldog type dirty nose to the grindstone type player isn't necessarily the only kind of way to be really mm -hmm. tough if that if that makes sense I think that players just have to understand there's there are different kinds of toughness that that we're we're not just seeing all those emotions flow out of a guy and going oh yeah that guy's tough or that that guy can't control himself that guy's not and i think the the more scouts and recruiters that understand that the more we can build toughness with our players too you know it's interesting one thing i see and tell me if you agree with this that and this is more in particular with the high school age kid, right? They're, they're the freshman, sophomore, all the way to senior. They're, they're kind of coming into knowing a little bit who they are, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they're still trying to figure it out. And one of the things I see, which what they think is toughness, is yeah. using, say, their cussing or vulgar language around the coaches, their teammates. If they drop certain words, that that makes them tough. You know, and I've literally seen this, I'm not going to point out a kid's name or anything, but a kid that had that mentality of just every other word was say an F-bomb and a team almost got in a scuffle and he was the last one to even come out. Now, I'm mm -hmm. not saying he's not tough because of that, but it's, it's an interesting circumstances to yeah. like that stuff can come across as fake, mm -hmm. right? And, and 
trying to, now there's, I, I do believe that in order to be tough, you have to kind of, there's some, there's some acting that goes on there. Cause you might, you literally might be scared. You might be scared. You, you're say in high school and you're facing the best pitcher in the state that's throwing 95 with a hammer. And you're like, I've never seen that before. This is my anxiety levels rising. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm scared. My hands are sweating, man. How do I, how do I act tough here? Yeah. What would you say to that? Man, I, I love that question, and I love thinking about that. I've thought a lot about that as a coach because I think the more you think about toughness, the more you have to understand it's situational. It's contextual. It's based on the context you're in. Mm-hmm. I think toughness is different things in different situations. And there may be a time where cussing gets the job done. Right. That that is the tough thing because that is what's needed in that moment to get the job done. More but more often than not, what gets the job done is staying poised and staying composed and staying calm. And that, that that's being talked about a lot right now is that like calm is contagious. There's to me as a coach, I'm always thinking about what's needed in this circumstance. What is the tough thing to do right here? And does my team need me to get angry here? Then I'm going to use my anger to get the job done, to get my team to be tough. Does my team in this moment need me to be calm, need me to be cool and collected and maybe make a joke? Then that's the tough thing to do, right? right. Like, and that's what being tough is. So we talk about toughness and the idea in our mind that we get is that guy that's cussing all the time or is always yelling or screaming. And I think truly tough people are the people that are able to take a step back and use either their emotions or their words or their thoughts or their mentality from that distanced perspective to get the job done, depending on the the different context they're in. To me, that's what true toughness is. Like if you are able to have enough, you know, it's talked about a lot now that that moment between the stimulus and your response to it. Mm -hmm. If you are able to have enough of a gap between that stimulus and your response to that stimulus, so really tough moment in a game and your response to that, whether it's showing emotion or not, that difference, that time that allows you to make a decision of how you're going to show up in that moment, like that's toughness to me, Mm -hmm. is if you can utilize your emotions, if you can utilize your words, if you can utilize your actions and behaviors in a way that makes your team tougher as a coach or your team as a leader, the guys around you tougher or yourself tougher. You said like, there's some fake it till you make it moments in baseball a lot that being tough in that moment is being a little bit of an actor is making your body tell your your mind that you're tougher than you actually are that's the tough thing to do in that moment so yeah i just the, i i don't think you can talk about toughness without understanding that it's different things in different moments in different contexts and there are some times where being tough is being loud is maybe using your anger and emotion to gear up the guys around you. And then there are other times where the tough being tough is being 
cool and collected and that Bill Belichick type type stone, stone face, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's the time yeah, there's the time where the stone face Bill Belichick approach is, is better than the Nick Saban in your Urban Meyer type in your face. Um very emotional using but I don't think that's the thing is I don't think Nick Saban or Urban Meyer are ever in a situation where they're not making the decision, the conscious decision to use that emotion to make their, their team tougher. And because there's plenty of times where they, they are calm and stone faced. And I think that's what toughness is, is knowing what the situation calls for and the ability to be what that situation calls for. When you kind of put yourself in a coach's shoes, right. And, and I, I talk to players about this a lot, like, just try putting yourself in a coach's shoes and, and you have your own team. Let, let's say you're coaching a little league team, right? And, and you got your nine players, maybe a couple of pitchers. Like how do you want your team to perform? Do you want them to be tough? Do you want them to be soft? You know, so start thinking about those things where, like you said, in these certain situations, I'm going to have some form of toughness at all time. Meaning I'm going to, I'm going to go out and give my best. I'm going to do the things I need to do to perform, you know, get myself in a position to field, get myself in a position to hit, um, take care of everything I need to from a pitcher standpoint, you know, doing my bullpens, all these kind of intricacies of the game. But it's, it's just interesting how that also can ebb and flow with God. Cause you, cause you, again, you go back to, I'm kind of not performing very well. I don't, I kind of feel like garbage, you know? So how would you say in regards to like confidence and you, you don't really feel good say at the plate as an example what do you do when you don't feel good at the plate yeah that's that's the question right that's a million dollar question <laughs> I, think, I think that one of my biggest pet peeves is hearing about you know hearing that it look good feel good play good if you need to feel good to play good you're not going to play well very often like you're just you're just not because especially the higher you go in the game of baseball you're going to be banged up you're going to be, you're never going to feel a hundred percent like past the first weekend. You're never going to feel a hundred percent. There's always going to be something nagging. There's always going to be something going on. One of the biggest things that high school players don't understand about the college level is truly the emotional load that schoolwork. Yes. Um, and whether, whether you're getting good grades or not, the stress of not getting good grades weighs on you a lot more than, than people I think understand sometimes. So I think, that if you have to feel good to play good, you're not going to play good very often. Right. And if you have to look good to play good, most of us are in trouble. So <laughs> I, I just think relying on your feelings is not a tough thing. Relying on how you feel is not a tough thing. So I, I think that my advice to somebody that doesn't feel 100% or doesn't feel confident is one, well, if, you know, fake it till you make it is there are times where you have to act more confident than you are. And that's a tough thing to do. But again, that's what makes it toughness is it's, it's not always easy, but making that decision, what makes you tough. I also think that we, again, one of the things I go back to a lot is we, we don't rise to the level. We don't rise to the occasion, right? And this is a Navy SEALs term. We don't rise to the occasion. We sink to the level of our training. Right. And so getting yourself to a point where your worst day is better than most worst days mm -hmm. is better than everybody else's 
worst day around you. That's what's going to make you better prepared for those moments when you don't feel good is you're going to sink to the level of your preparation. You're going to sink to that. What's my worst? What's So if you are preparing when you do feel good, if you're preparing when you don't feel good, but you're putting in the same effort anyways, that's what raises that, that floor for you that gets you to the point of having better bad days yeah. than everybody else around you. No so, doubt. Yeah. I think I think that preparation when you are feeling good is just as important for those moments where if you're in a slump and you're at the plate in a big situation and your team needs you, maybe your slump is a little bit better than other hitters' slumps is. And your odds of coming through in that situation when you don't feel great are better than the, than the players you're facing or the players around you are. That preparation for that, uh, for that time only happens when you do feel good. So I think, I think that's a huge, just preparing for those moments. And then in those, in those moments, fake it till you make it or act it in, in, until you feel it is the best piece of advice that I could give in that, in that moment once it, once it does happen. But that's, that's such a huge pet peeve for me when I hear players <laughs> say, look good, feel good, play good. Just one, like I said, if you have to feel good to play good, you're just not You're going to hit, 110 like you're not going to feel you're just not going to feel good the majority of the season the higher you go in the game but to your feelings are overrated they don't matter and then like if you put one of the things I'll say all the time is if you put your feelings first you're putting your feelings last because if you act out of your feelings meaning I don't feel like going on a run today <laughs> so I'm not going to go on a run right well four hours later when you're sitting on the couch having sat there for four hours eating junk food, you're going to feel like garbage. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, by putting your feelings first, you're ultimately putting your feelings last by you feel good, not running. And later on, you're going to feel bad because you didn't run. So I think the more you instead put your behavior first, the more your feelings come after that putting your behavior and your identity and who you are putting that at the top of your behavior is is one of the biggest fundamental mindset changes that is the difference for me that I've seen between truly mentally tough players and soft or fake tough players right no doubt and I I would say that's probably the biggest hurdle that that say the high school age kid has they, they don't really probably start learning that till they get to college because they're kind of, they're forced really into that new routine, right? Mm -hmm. I, I got to get up at five to get weights at six or whatever the time is. And it's weights and then class and then study and then practice. And they're, they're forcing that routine where trying to work on a way to, to start their behavior, start acting in, in regards to, I need to start doing this at a younger age because yeah. And to start teaching these kids, like, hey, it's not about how you feel. I don't feel like going to the cage every day. I don't feel like going to the gym or, or doing my exercises or whatever. Whatever my normal routine is, it, it doesn't show up every day. Well, I feel like eating a large pizza with some chicken wings. That's, that's what I feel like doing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's learning how to discipline yourself to whether it's creating new habits, creating new routines, 
and things like that. Yeah, because your habits are going to be what kick in, in on your worst days. When you don't feel good, your habits are going to be what, what kick in. So if you've built your habits to be good habits rather than bad ones, that's who you're going to be really good on your bad days. Mm-hmm. And to me, like there, there is an example, one of the examples that I use when talking about like one of the most powerful things a coach has ever told me is your feelings are not my priority. Right. And ultimately, ultimately they are as a coach, they are our priority, but the way to make you feel better is to get you to stop thinking about how you feel. So one of the best stories that I can remember when I was a high school coach, I had one of my players that was a little overweight and he wanted to, to wake up early before school and go run every morning. Mm-hmm. And so he woke up one morning at 5.30, decided he was going to wake up and run, go home, shower, come to school. He did that for one day. And the next day, stopped doing it. And I asked him why he stopped. He said, I don't know, you know, he gives the same story. I hit snooze like five or six times. And then before I knew it was too late to go out and run if I, if I was going to be ready for, for school. But what happened in that moment was the alarm clock hit and he went, I don't feel like doing this. So he let his feelings determine his behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that happened to him was his identity. Ultimately, our identity is what drives us. Who we think that we are is what drives our, our actions, which is what drives our, uh, our feelings. So in that moment, ultimately what he was doing was he was waking up and he was going, I'm just not a guy that gets up and runs. It's just not what I do. I've never done it in my life. That's just not who I am. And because of that, he felt like not running and his behavior followed that. If you can have a fundamental change or a fundamental mindset change in who you are, I am a tough guy that wakes up every morning and runs. That's who I am until your habits change. If you can create that, we all know that like the three week, 21 days to a month is that period of time when you can build a habit. If you can just sustain that fundamental change in who you perceive you are in your, in your identity long enough to create those good habits, then ultimately your habits begin to loop back and create a stronger identity. And then like we, we were talking about that keeps your, that keeps your habits, your habits keep your behaviors at a higher level on the bad days than they would otherwise be. And that's, and ultimately that kid goes and feels like it feels even worse because he now has set this goal that he's not accomplishing. So putting his feelings first, ultimately made him feel worse and putting your identity and your behavior first. And that's why fake it till you make it works, right? Like one of the things my mom used to say all the time and still does as a coach was that your motion changes your emotion, your body language changes your feelings, your physiology changes your feelings. Mm -hmm. And if you like try, try to be miserable smiling, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And it, that sounds really cliche and soft and touchy feely, but your body language changes the way you feel. Yeah, It just does. And so if, if, and people who view themselves as tough people will have a different body language and their feelings will change because of that. So I think putting your identity first by sometimes it takes that 
putting your actions, putting your behavior first, will is ultimately putting your feelings and your emotions first. You'll you'll feel a lot better yeah. by putting your identity and behaviors first. That's awesome, man. No, no doubt. I I've also heard you know you the fake it till you make it. It's or fake it till you become it. Is I've heard mm-hmm. that as well. Where that and that's why I think it's so important that. The, the, the high, the, again, back to the high school kid, that age group is they're, they're trying to figure out who they are. They have influences from their environment, right? What, what's going on around them, whether it's their parents, their teachers, their teammates, coaches, and they kind of morph into this type of person and without really taking a step back and like, is that really who I want to be? You know, and uh, so it's interesting how that's kind of all put together. And, and, uh, but yeah, no, it's, I've, I've even heard of, uh, you know, acting changes everything, you know, yeah. back to, I think it was Jake Arietta that, that would yeah. write that underneath the brim of his hat where again, I, I feel like garbage. Imagine a, a major league pitcher, all the starts and all the grind that they put on their body, mm-hmm. that there is no way they feel great every single day. It's just, it's impossible. I, I was a, an outfielder, a position player. If I felt a hundred percent, it was extremely rare, you know? Yeah. So it's again, diving and, and working on your behaviors and just really following what your actions are going to be. And with the young kids that are, I think in particular, say the overweight kid that is mm-hmm. trying to lose weight, they, they, they probably got that way. I think they rely too much on their genes, you know, right. Oh, it's because of my genes. I'm like, well, no, let's look at your behaviors. Like look at your actions and you're already telling yourself you're, you're not keeping your word to yourself because you gave up in one day, you know, you just gave up. So that, that kind of goes back to the toughness of just going out and maybe that, in that example, that kid that I'm going to run two miles, like, well, maybe it's not two miles. Maybe you start and you run for just five minutes, Yeah. you know, and then you start building this tolerance up. And, and again, that baseline, like you're talking about that worst day, five minutes, all of a sudden, well, that's easy to do. Now I can do 15, 20, 30 minutes and you, and you build, um, the confidence and you, you do confidence that way with your acting. Yeah. And I, you know, this is the other thing I'll say is the reality is we get to go out and play a game every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when we talk about feeling good and, and still being able to perform well when we don't feel good, like the reality is your the real world is going to hit you at some point <laughs> where you're going to be, a dad or a a spouse or you know you're going to be a boyfriend and you're not going to feel like taking care of your kid you're going to be exhausted you're going to have four hours you're going to be going on four hours of sleep because your newborn is crying and keeping you up all night and you still have to show up to work the next day your boss doesn't call you and say hey how well did your baby, did your newborn baby sleep last night? Okay. You know, come in a little bit later. Life requires the same out of everybody. And so that ability to show up on the worst days at a high level is really preparing you for the realities you'll hit in real life. When, you know, there's going to, there's going to be some stuff that happens to you over the course of your life. You're gonna lose people close to you. You're gonna get laid off with, I mean, look at right now what's going on with with the the coronavirus. People are losing their jobs 
with something that's completely outside of their control, life is not going to say to them, oh, okay, well, you, you lost your job. Now, it, you know, survival will lower the requirements of survival for you just a little bit because now it's, you're having a rough go of it. Like, it doesn't work that way. Real life requires the same out of all of us. And the ability to show up when you don't feel like showing up at a higher level is life. That's life. Being able to show up when you don't feel good and to go out and play good when you don't feel good is the most valuable thing that you can learn, in my opinion, from the game of baseball because it, it just it mimics life so perfectly in terms of how brutally tough it is, how much failure is involved, and how much it teaches you that ability to respond when things outside of your control happen to you that ultimately allow you to have the strength to show up when you don't feel like showing up. I think another kind of on that point and a lesson to, is learned there of no matter what your, your workplace or your school is don't complain about it. Right. Right. Cause again, we're, we're all in the same boat. We all have things to accomplish. We're all in our own little world. We're all in our own minds about what's happening to us. And when we start complaining and, and, and criticizing different aspects of that, and, and you do it around people that, that kind of brings off this energy, right? That uh, every time I'm around that person, all, all they do is complain. And it, and you know, that person, anyone who's listening to this knows that person it, and that becomes toxic, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, that energy that they're exuding and you, you just don't want to be around it. So the, the, and that's like probably more the awareness of, of going in your daily life and in your routines of, I got a job to do. I'm going to do my routines. I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm going to do it, you know, in a positive manner and, and try to not bring any negativity to the, to the table. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, if, if there was only one thing I could teach kids about complaining and being tough and how that relates to your, your ability to be mentally tough, if there was only one thing that I could get kids to learn, it would be, the, it would be one that energy is a real thing. The energy you give off is a real thing. And the energy that you give off when you complain and when you are negative, and even, even if you're not outwardly complaining, if you're just down, if your body language is doing the complaining for you, you're giving off an energy that people don't want to be around. Mm -hmm. And the people that do want to be around that, you don't want to be around. If there was one, and I think people just don't realize how real that energy that you give off is. I mean, there is a reason that teams that have a little bit louder of a dugout play a little bit different of a style. Mm -hmm. There's an energy in that dugout that feeds, uh, that feeds your ability to move around the field. And I, I just, the ability to be consistent with the energy you're putting out there no matter what no matter how you feel uh is is just a is a game changer and i've had players who i've coached that uh, will come back to me and say i didn't like you talked about energy all the time and i thought you were so full of it you sounded like you were this out there like <laughs> weirdo talking about energy and how much it mattered and now that i've lived 
through college and I've lived through getting a job and I've lived through trying to get through uh, the industry uh, that I that I want to be in and starting a family, I can now see how much how true that was. Mm-hmm. That energy and being able to sustain that and being able to show up with the same energy on your worst days is just it's so vital. And so if you're out there listening to this and you think that's kooky or that's the the energy level that you bring to each moment is not a big deal, you can choose not to believe it but it'll hit you right smack dab in the face sometime in the next five years when, when real life hits and it requires the same out of you on the days you feel like garbage versus the days that, that you feel great. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, dude, this has been awesome. Um, I think this has been very informative and hopefully opened some eyes, you know, in regards to, you know, again, we're kind of, we're trying to tailor these, these interviews and talks here in chats to, to, to the young, the young kids out there, you know, and and trying to get them on a better path of, again, you know, not being so susceptible to their feelings, you know, that how you think, you know, you get to choose actually how you think, you know, and how you're going to react to situations. So I think this is, this has been great, man. Do you have anything else you want to add? Is there any, you know, number one gem you got for us? No, I think, I think we've, <laughs> this has been fun. I've, I've appreciated it. It's been a, a fun opportunity to, I could talk about toughness uh, for, for days. Just, I, this is, I think that anybody who does not think what you just said, that you can choose the way you think you can choose the way you act and behave. You're, you're just, you're wrong. It, if you believe that you're probably swallowed up in your feelings or in bad habits that you can change and learning that is just something that the the mental skills and the mental toughness that you learn through the game of baseball it's just too valuable it's too valuable not to not to spend money on any opportunity to get better with your mental skills or to or to learn about the toughness in a in a little bit new light or, or mindset in a, in a little bit new light. It's just to, that's ultimately what you're going to be using 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And you could play baseball at the highest level. And the longest you'll play is 40, 45 years old. If you, and that's, if everything goes right and you're playing in the big leagues and you have a hall of fame, 20 year career, you're done at 45 and you have more than half your life left. Hopefully. You've got more than half your life left where the lessons you've learned in the game of baseball will be the only thing that's left in your life of the game of baseball. And if you don't learn that mental toughness that the game teaches and that mental skills coaches like Chad teach you, you've wasted your career. And that's again, if you've played a 20 year big league career and end up in the hall of fame, you've wasted your career. If you have not left baseball tougher uh, than you entered it. That's awesome, man. I noticed you started to put some things online, like in your Instagram, things like that. You're pouring out more of your awesome wisdom <laughs> to us. Is there, is there a certain place where people can follow you and continue to learn from you? Yeah, I, Twitter is probably the place where I'm most active, uh, just at Trevor Amicone. Uh, it's really original, I know, but that's my, that's my <laughs> handle on Twitter. I, I think that uh, 
you know, I, I have a, I have my own website that I don't, it's, I don't make any money off of every once in a while. I'll spit out some thoughts uh, or some book recommendations, podcast recommendations, which is just trevoramicone.com. Okay. Uh, so that might be the place, uh, the place to go, but that's, I mean, I, it's Twitter is where I'm most active. What are your, so you're in your first year as we start to wrap up the chat here, but what are your personal goals now that you're with the Yankees, what do, do you have goals that are a year, two years, five out from now? What, what do you want to do with the Yankees? Yeah. I mean, I, my, my ultimate goal is, is, you know, what, what my passion is, is around development and how people get better. And, um, you know, hitting is, is a passion that I have that, that I've been able to learn enough about uh, to do it at the professional level. I, I think ultimately, ultimately I want to make an impact on an organization that wins a world series. I, I'm really fortunate enough to, to be in an organization that's won a lot of them. I, I think my end, I don't really have an end goal. I've gotten to a place in my life where I'm pretty happy with a wide swath of things, titles, jobs that I could be doing. <laughs> but as long as I'm making an impact, you know, I've, I've always, I've always wanted to be a, a, a farm director or a big league hitting coach. It's kind of come down to that. And that's, those are things that I strive for ultimately, but I'm, I'm in a place where I can be pretty happy as long as I'm making an impact and helping guys get better every day. Uh, that, that really is what feeds me. on a That's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate again, taking the time. I, I thought this was an amazing chat with you and a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom. Uh, from a guy that's been around for a while doing some things. So Trevor, I want to thank you for coming on board here and make sure you guys reach out to him if Trevor, if he has any questions for you guys. So again, thanks Trevor. Take care. Thanks Chad. I appreciate it. Okay. We'll see you, man. Have a good one. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed this message. And what we want to do is just let you know that there is a personal development course that I have that I've developed and I've created. It's going to be a mental edge dot training. What I do is I go through, I have a video per week that you can look at. All that information is on the site. There's more videos, more information to look at, but what we want to do is help build your student athletes yourself. You might be a parent watching this video, but just help them with your kid and develop their self image and, and help imprint a lot of good, good positive messages to them. So take a look at that at mentalledge.training. Again, thanks for coming to the channel, watching the video. We'll see you later. Take care.